It's good to see you guys. Welcome. Uh, Like John said, my name is Derek, and um, you are catching us in part two of a series called Oh, the Places You Will Go. And in case you were away for the fourth or this is your first time here with us today, let me give you a a quick 60-second recap of where we were last week. So the basis for this entire series is uh, a letter that this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to Christians in modern-day Turkey, a city called Ephesus, And this letter has been um, preserved and saved through 2,000 years, and it's actually part of the New Testament of the Bible today. It's the letter to the Ephesians. And what's really fascinating about this letter, you see right from the outset, we talked about this last week, is that here is Paul. He's actually in prison in Rome. And essentially, this is not going anywhere good. It's kind of like he's sitting on death row, basically waiting to be killed for his faith. And so it's a pretty morbid situation when you look at it. And yet right from the outset of this letter to the Ephesians, Paul is joyfully praising God. He is joyful in jail. And last week, if you were here, you heard my jail experience. And man, that was far from joyful although it brought joy to many of your faces to uh, hear me tell that story. But um, jail is just, it's a miserable, it's a miserable, miserable experience. And so here is Paul. How in the world does he have joy in that situation? And what we found out was, was established early on, is he had a firm foundation, recognizing his need for God and his relationship with God, carrying him through that. And this letter that we're going to look at over the next several weeks through this series is going to take us some amazing places. It's packed with all sorts of wisdom and great stuff that we can apply to our lives, practical and relevant stuff. But if we think somehow that we can just take concepts and take principles and kind of extract them from this letter and then just apply them like in our own strength, with our own determination, with enough willpower, and we can get to the place that God wants to take us, we can't. Because what we established last week is that ultimately we were not wired to do this journey on our own. We weren't. We need a different starting point, and that is recognizing that God has created us for relationships. We were meant to be in relationships with others, and we were also made to be in a relationship with God. And it is with God's help that we can get the places that God wants us to go. So, This week, we're going to dive into the second half of that first chapter of the letter to the Ephesians. And what Paul is doing here is he's got a fantastic prayer that he's praying over all of these followers of Jesus. And by extension, that prayer is for us today. And really, there's a key word. It's the word know, K-N-O-W. And really what Paul is doing is he is praying that God would drop some knowledge, okay? There's some different things that we need to know, and Paul is praying that this would be impressed upon us. So let's just jump right in. Verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul says, for this reason, Now, that's referring back to what we talked about last week, this idea that we are God's children, that we have been chosen by God, okay? And if you want to hear more about what we talked about with predestination and free will and all that, you can go listen online. Um, You can check that out. But um, he's basically saying, for this reason that you are God's children, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and all your love for God's people, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Then he says... I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know 
him better. There's two words from that little passage that really jump out at me. It's the words wisdom and revelation. Because I don't know how many times in my life I have prayed, God, please give me wisdom. Okay, there's this decision that I'm facing. There's something that I need to know. I'm at a crossroads. God, reveal your will to me in this area of my life. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for many of you for wisdom and revelation so that we would know God's will. In fact, some of you are here today right now, and part of the reason that you're here today is because you have something and you are dying to know God's will. You have been praying and praying and praying. God, is she the one? Is this the job? Is now the time? You know, whatever that thing is, many of you, that's where you are right now. I don't know about you, but man, I, I wish that there was like an app for this, you know, like you could take out your phone and, and you could plug in God's will and they would, you would pull up the God's will app and, and you know, it, wouldn't that be amazing? You could just do that. I mean, how many times is it not clear? You don't know. I mean, just, just punch that into the God's will app. I mean, that would become my favorite app of all time. It would, it would be even better than my current favorite app, which is Google Maps, okay? The greatest app to ever be created, okay? Are there any Google Maps fans who agree with me in the house? Okay, the reason many of you are raising your hands is because just like me, you have zero sense of direction, okay? So I, I have this incredible gift of being able to get lost pretty much anywhere I go unless I have the Google Maps app running. What's fantastic about this is, so I've been in this area almost 15 years now, I have worked in Arlington for the last 12 years, been all over this county, just numerous, numerous times, and I still find myself, anytime I don't use the app, I'm getting lost in Arlington. It's, it's awesome, you guys. It's just absolutely fantastic. And um, now I, I live in Annandale, and I've lived in my neighborhood for eight years, okay, eight years. And um, so our, our music team leader, Christian, so he moved into my neighborhood last year, and um, he literally is a half mile away from me in my neighborhood, okay? He's four turns away, but it's like kind of windy, like and twisty. It's not, you know, the nice grid deal like you have up in the district. So I've been to his house numerous times, and I remember it was a few weeks ago, I had to run something up to his house, and it was, it was late at night. So I had my phone charging upstairs in the bedroom, and I just was going to run out real quick. I grabbed what I needed, grabbed my keys, and I realized I didn't have my phone. And I'm like, surely, surely I don't need Google Maps this time. You guys, after 15 minutes of circling my neighborhood, <laughs> I go back to my house, get out my phone, plug in my Google Maps. It tells me it's one minute to my destination. And there I go. This thing is the greatest invention in human history. Whoever came up with GPS technology, God bless them. They are my savior, all right? So here's the thing. When I am seeking God's will, when I am trying to figure out, God, what, what are you saying about this? I want God to be like a GPS system. I want to be able to plug that thing in. My question, my dilemma, the thing I'm wrestling with, plug it into the app, and then boom, God will just spit it out. Here's what you do, and here's the turn you make, and you're there, and this is how long it's going to take. That is what I want. But as we all know, 
That's not how God works. I mean, fundamentally, the God who made everything we see, including us, cannot be boiled down to some formula, some program. God doesn't work like that. The reality is that God is not by nature transactional. He's relational. And that is what's so interesting about these verses that we just read. So Paul's praying this prayer, right? That we would have wisdom and revelation. But notice, it's not that we would know God's will in some area of our life, is it? That's not what it's saying. What's it saying? We would know wisdom and revelation so that we may know God better. Did you catch the difference there? So here's the deal. Many of us are here, and we want to know what is God's will in some area of our lives. If you want to know what is God's will, you must get to know God. Let me say that again, because I'm not sure all of you kind of got that. Okay? If you want to get to know God's will, you have to get to know God. Because our God is a relational God, and God made us to be in relationship with him. So here's a question for you to think about. Are you doing your part to get to know God? This prayer is awesome. God, give us the wisdom. Bring revelation so that we would get to know you. But are we doing our part? Are we doing our part? I don't know if you know this. There's not like a God, you know, Google Maps type app, the God's Will app. There's not that. But we have been left with the greatest source of wisdom and revelation of the things of God. You know that, right? And there's actually an app for it. (laughs) The Bible, right on your phone. It's awesome. It is the number one way to get to know who God is, to know God better. Are you taking the time to push into that relationship with God? Because here's the thing. As much as God cares about that decision that you're facing, that crossroads that you're on, that that big thing you're struggling with, as much as God cares about that, you know he cares about something even more than that, don't you? He cares about you as a person, the kind of person you're becoming. That is the essence of God's nature. I just want to encourage you as you're maybe challenge this week to say, yeah, I want to push in. I want to start a new habit again and and get back into reading the Bible, okay? Try and get beyond the the visceral reaction that we have when we're reading, which is we always go here first. There's nothing wrong with it, but we always go to this, okay? We read a passage and we say, what does this mean to me? That's That's just automatically how we always interpret. But try and get past that and ask this question. God, what does that tell me about you? What does that teach me about who you are? Because here's the thing. If we want to get to know God's will, we have to get to know God. And once we push into our relationship with God, it is actually through that relationship that we will get to know God's will. So that's the first thing that that, uh, Paul prays. And then he continues in verse 18, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, okay, God drops some more knowledge on us, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, I have to tell you, when I see a verse like this, 
my, my kind of instant reaction is actually to, to kind of dismiss it or gloss over it. Because, I mean, it's a beautiful verse. You know, oh, I pray you know the hope that God has called you to and, and the riches of this glorious inheritance. Oh, man, that sounds great. But that's like, that's future stuff, man. I mean, that's, I got so many good years left to live. I'm worried about the here and now. Okay, I, I'm not worried about what's happening in heaven. And I can so easily just kind of push that to the side and keep going. What about the now? And what I realized this week, as I really spent time studying this passage, is that when we actually keep our sights set on a future reality, it changes how we live out the present. So let me try and illustrate this. I'm going to need a volunteer for this. I need a volunteer in one of the top three Sections. I need a volunteer, just one, who absolutely loves chocolate chip cookies, okay? You love chocolate chip cookies. If you are a volunteer, um, I am going to just, just the first one that can come down here to the stage, I need one person. Chocolate chip cookies are your thing. First one that hits the stage, you can, you just come on down. Mark, you're running the presentation. You're not moving, okay? You stay right there, all right? Now, I went on a, um, I went on a little quest this week to try and figure out who has the best cookie in Washington, D.C. Like, nobody's coming down. It's going to be worth your while. Can I give you a preview? Okay. I mean, it's going to be really nice. All right. There we go. Some brave soul coming down here. That's beautiful. And um, come on up, man. Right on over. So I actually found out it's Captain Cookie, the food truck that we had last week. Yeah, did you have one? I did. You did? I'm Tell me your name. Chris. Chris. I'm Derek. Good to see you. So, uh, Chris, I want you just to, just to hold that for a second. All right? That's the actual picture of the Captain Cookie cookies, so you guys can see what he's holding. I picked, those up, I picked that up yesterday. And uh, yeah, open it up, man. Give it a smell. It's okay. I don't want you to touch it, though. Okay? I don't want you to touch it, because you don't get to eat it quite yet. All right? It's Chris? Yes. Okay. So, Chris, I want to give you a little instruction before we send you back to your seat with the cookie. All right? So you know, Chris, that um, you know, this is a church service we're having here today. And, and so we really try and focus on Jesus and his teachings, and we, we're trying to live like him. So I just want to remind you that you know, Jesus was all about serving people. Jesus was the ultimate servant. You're not a very nice <laughs> it's okay. It's going to be okay. Just, just, just hang with me, okay? Just hang with me. So he would put other people's needs ahead of his own, okay? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to live that out here at Grace. So I've got a challenge for you, and this might be tough because I see the way you're, you're, you're holding that cookie, yes. But what I want you to do is if you, on your long walk back up to that top section, happen to pass anybody who is in need of that cookie... I want you to go ahead and bless them. Just give them the whole, the whole cookie. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, and, and I don't just mean like someone who's begging you for it, but if, if anyone even looks longingly at you <laughs> as you start to walk back, just go ahead and be Christ-like and just see if they want the cookie. Now, I, I, have, I have a question. I just want to pause for a second. Um, how many of you think that Chris feels good about giving away that cookie? Just show of hands. How many of you think Chris feels good Okay. All right. All right. Most of you aren't thinking Chris is feeling really, really good right now about giving away that cookie. All right. Now, I do have one other little piece of information. Okay. So, Chris, as a thank you for coming up here, being a brave soul. Okay. 
what I want to do is at the very end of the service, okay, as the service ends, I'm going to have these. I'm actually going to be right out where we came in the building. I'm going to be right out front, and I'm going to have these for when you come walking out of the service, and I'm going to give these to you. Not now, right? But I'm going to give these to you at the end of the service. You just got about 20 minutes or so. You'll be good to go, okay? So, so um, because, you know, it's good of you to come up here. So now in light of the fact that Chris knows he's going to have a whole dozen Captain Cookie cookies waiting for him at the end of the service, how many of you think, by show of hands, that Chris is now feeling good about getting to give away that cookie? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Note, note all the people who believe in you that you can give this cookie away. All right? Now, so I'm going to hold on to this. I'll have it right outside. When I see you after the service, I'm going to give it to you. Now, I'm tasking you with, go ahead. You go ahead and back up to your seat. If you see someone in need, just bless them with it. Can we give Chris a hand? And, and we're all watching you. So just start your walk and see if anybody looks longing. Oh, Chris just, he's not looking at anybody. Look, he's some longing hands right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys are missing your chance. You're missing your chance. Oh, there we go. He moved. Did you see that? That was well played, young man. All the way to the aisle. Yes, that was good. That was good. Okay, so I think that you can make the connection here, but just in case you're a little slow on the uptake, let me connect some dots for you, okay? When we realize that there is a future reality, there are some promises that God has made, there is a hope that is yet to come, there is the riches of a glorious inheritance that we will take hold of in this next life, it changes how we deal with this life. So, I can actually be okay with not having that mansion I've always wanted in this life. Because I know that there is a mansion to come in the next one. Jesus talked about it. He actually made the promise. He's preparing it for us. I can be okay not getting the, the, the revenge that I desperately want, that justice to be done in this life, because I know that there is ultimate justice that is coming in the next one. I can be okay with delaying some gratification and some desires in this life because I know it, they pale in comparison to the, the gratification, the desires that are going to be fulfilled in the next one. And finally, I can endure hardship, trials, struggles, temptations in this life because I know that they will pale in comparison to the glory that is to come in the next life. So Paul prays we would know this hope that is to come, that we would have a heavenly focus which would shape and energize and fuel us in the journey to go the places we're going to go in this life. And then one final thing Paul prays for, one last little piece of knowledge he's praying God will drop. It's found in verse 19. So Paul also prays that we would know God's incomparably great Power, there's the key word, power for us who believe. And then he goes on to talk more about that power. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength 
that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Paul's praying we would know this power. And you know what's fascinating about that verse? Absolutely fascinating. We don't have to pray for that power. You know why? Because what the verse is telling us is we already have it. We already have that power. I remember feeling a tremendous sense of power when I was 13 years old. It was the first time that my parents agreed that they would go out on a Saturday night and they would leave my brother and I, my younger brother, two years younger, and I home by ourselves for the very first time, man. That, you talk about feeling power. It was awesome. They went out. They had some instructions. All I remembered was bedtime was 10 o'clock, okay? So, um, so 10 o'clock comes. My brother and I have been having a great time, and, um, and I put my brother to bed. And then instead of me going to bed, I went back downstairs because I was like, man, they're not going to be home till like 1130 or midnight. I know that. And um, so there was this TV show back in the 80s called Hunter. Anybody remember that show, Hunter, with uh, Sergeant Hunter and um, Dee Dee McCall or something, whatever? So, um, so I wanted to watch this show. It came on from 10 to 11 at night. And um, so I'm, I'm watching the show, and it happened to be the, the show where they're tracking a serial killer. And, um, and so this, this guy's like a psychopath. And what they didn't know, how the show kind of turns, is that the psychopath is actually, tr- they're tracking him, but he's actually tracking um, Dee Dee McCall. And he breaks into her house, and this is right at the end, it's like 10.57, you know, it's right at the end of the episode. She's coming back into her house. I think she had a bunch of stuff in her hands, so she can't turn on the light. So she's walking through her dimly lit family room, and as she gets to the end of the family room, this psychopath jumps out and grabs her and starts strangling her. And then in cheesy 1980s fashion, you know how they used to do this? The, the screen would just freeze, and it would just say, to be continued, like big capital block letters, you know? And you're sitting there like, oh, how do you do that to me? You know, I'm staying up late. My parents could be walking in any second. And now this, and I, I am on edge. So... I run to the bathroom real quick. You know, there was no TiVo or any of that stuff. So I run to the bathroom, and then I'm like, okay, I got to get to bed, man. And I'm, I, am, I am absolutely on edge. I'm going around, checking to make sure, okay, all the doors locked because I'm kind of freaked out now. Doors are locked. Okay, and then I start doing the turning all the lights out, you know. I'm turning the light in the kitchen, and then I start to walk through my dimly lit family room. <laughs> and as I do this, okay, This is a dead-on true story, okay? I'm not making one single piece of information up, I promise you. As I walk through my dimly lit family room, this is all of a sudden what happens. My burglar alarm system in the house starts going off. Oh my goodness. Have you, you remember those animated cartoon characters where like someone comes up and like scares somebody and the guy like hits the ceiling and it's like nails hanging onto the wallpaper? That was me. I mean, I was... I lost my mind at that moment. And literally, I I mean, I thought the the psychopath has come for me. So I run as fast as I can up the stairs. I go into my parents' bedroom because there were two phones in the house. There was one in the kitchen. There was no way I was going near the kitchen. 
and there was one up in, the, in my parents' bedroom. So I run over, I grab the phone to call 911. I got no dial tone. The phone is dead. I, I hang the phone up. I pick it up again. The phone is dead. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he cut the phone line. He's going to kill me. This is insane. And here's the thing about me. Oftentimes in emergency, like I get very single-minded. And so I had a plan A, but there was no plan B. Okay? I didn't, you know, try and find some sharp object to defend myself. I didn't try and hide, okay? I didn't do any of those things. I, I just stood at the window. Now, the, my parents' bedroom door, I didn't even lock it. I mean, I was just not in my mind at all. So I'm standing there, I'm looking out the window of my parents' bedroom, and I am just literally thinking, this is it, we're, we're done here. And I'm just praying, because this, this, the system's still going off. Boop, 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 boop. So loud, and I'm thinking, so, somebody's got to know. My parents must have told the neighbors, you know, in case we had some big party or something. I mean, somebody's going to call the police here. And I'm just looking out the window, just waiting for help. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, weren't you even, like, concerned about your little brother? Like, what was, what was, like, your little brother doing? Like, you're just looking out the window now? Like, what's wrong with you? Okay, here's the thing. In that moment... I didn't even know I had a brother. No. You're laughing. I'm serious. Okay? And I actually am a little resentful of my brother to this day. Because you know what he did? He slept through the entire... You can't sleep through that, man. He woke up the next morning and did not believe the story. So he's sleeping. I'm waiting to get killed. I'm just looking out the window. And... So the glory of God, all of a sudden I see red and blue flashing lights. The police are coming. They come down my street. They pull into my driveway. They come up to the front door and I muster up the courage. Okay. I know the psychopath is in the house, but I, I bolt down the stairs, let them in and they check the whole, the whole house. And, um, and it's clear. So this is a beautiful thing. They did find something interesting down in the basement though. So my dad had been um, working with this new door that we had downstairs, and it was an exterior door. And I guess he, had, he was trying to like, get the little security sensor thing just right, but he didn't have all the hardware. So he had just taken a little thin strip of duct tape, and he put it over one of the sensors. Well, it just so happened that at that moment when I was walking through my dimly lit family room, that, that duct tape just kind of peeled and slowly fell, and that created that alert for the alarm system. Okay, so... Let me just tell you, that would have been some wonderful knowledge for my dad to drop on me before he went out to dinner. Like, I would have loved it. Hey, son, just in case the alarm goes off, I just want to let you know, I jerry-rigged the, the alarm system downstairs with this tiny little thin piece of duct tape that may fall down. Would have loved to have that info, okay? But he didn't give me that. Now, still, though, I'm like, but the whole phone line thing, like, what's the deal with the phone being dead? Well, and many of you know, the answer to that, because you're smart people, right? Phone line wasn't dead. The security system was wired in through the phone line. So what happens when the security system goes off after a certain number of seconds, it makes a call in and alerts the proper people to come out because you've got a problem. So when I was trying to get on the phone thinking it was dead, the signal was already going out. Like everything was already in motion. So here's the bottom line of why I tell you the story. See, there was this powerful system that was already in place in my home, protecting me. But I didn't know that. Did I? No. 
And so because I didn't know about this powerful system that was in place, guess what? I was a complete and utter disaster. I practically had a nervous breakdown right there on that Saturday night. So here's the deal. We find ourselves in situations where we are praying for God's power, right? God, give me the power to overcome this struggle, this temptation, this addiction. God, I need your power to do it. God, please give me your power. I have been wronged. I need to forgive this person. I need your power to do that. God, give me power to be patient with this person that I love who I want to strangle right now. You know, God, please, I need your power. God, please, I'm tired. I have just had it. I need your power just so I can keep going on this path that you've led me down. God, I need your power. We pray for God's power. And here's the kicker. We already have it. That's what Paul is praying here. He's saying, not I pray that you'd have power. He's saying, I pray that you'd know the power that you already have. The reality is this. For every single person who is here today and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if that is you, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you believe that he is the son of God, came to this earth, died for you, Jesus makes us a promise. He promises if we put faith in him, he sends his spirit to reside in us, to live in us. Do I understand fully how that works? <laughs> no way I don't understand how that works, okay? But this is a promise that Jesus makes to us, that we have his spirit inside of us, and therefore we don't have to pray for power. We've already got it. What Paul's praying is, I pray you would know that power. So here's the deal. Don't pray for God's power. Don't do it. Instead, thank God for the power that he's given you through his spirit in you and walk boldly and confidently in that power. That is the marching order that we have for today. So I'm going to invite our music team to close out the service this morning. And um, they're actually going to reprise the, the opening song that we sang to start the service. It was the song, Our God is Able. And I think now in this context, it will make even more sense and have even more meaning to you. Because the idea here is that we have a God who is able, who is powerful, who actually resides in us. And so because God is able, we too, with his spirit in us, are able. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to stand and sing this last song, and then um, we'll wrap up. Let me pray for you. God, we just want to say thank you so much for the places that you want us to go. God, we just admit right now that we can't do that on our own. For those of us who've been trying to do it on our own, I pray, Lord, that, that we would just take a moment to humble ourselves and just say, God, we need you. We need your spirit. We need your power. Uh, Lord Jesus, we need you in our lives. Uh, we, we need that power that you have, um, Lord, and we pray that we would know that reality, that it's already there. Lord, I pray for wisdom and for revelation, not just, Lord, so that we would know your will and know which step to take, which decision to make, but far more important that we would know you more so that through that relationship with you, we would know where you want us to go. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to keep a, a future focus to be mindful of the things of heaven, the things are to come, God. Those dozen cookies 
that we're getting just a short time from now that would better enable us to handle the cookie that you give us now. Help us to live it well in light of the hope that is to come. And God, now, as we declare this out, as we sing that you are able, we proclaim victory and we give thanks for the fact that because of your spirit at work in us, that not only are you able, but we with you are able. We pray these things in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.